This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. And Rodgers, a perfect throw and simply dropped by Martellus Bennett. It would have been a first down and Rodgers is hurt. He took a big hit at the end of that play just as he got it out. And it looked like he might have landed on that right shoulder. That's Anthony Barr. I think he's unhappy with that hit after he had released the football and still following through on the tackle was Anthony Barr. He didn't move quite as well, but he did move and make some throws, so, uh, you know, he, he didn't really get outside of the pocket after that, but, uh, you know, the guy's in, he's in, incredible. You know, throws, make every throw, make every, you know, gets the ball out quick, sees pressure, um, but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see going in the game. Gentlemen, what is happening today? Welcome, Phil. Sorry, my alarm didn't go off. That's why I'm late. <laughs> Zim, Wait, no, I'm just kidding. Zim is uh, Zim is trying to spin for you that he's buying into the Packers game of will he or won't he play. And we all know there's... <laughs> well, Kaiser's more mobile, so you got to yeah. prepare for both, right? <laughs> as, as I told Manny Hill, there's only a 99.999999% chance that Aaron Rodgers starts on Sunday. Okay, I definitely have, because I know you guys talked about Rodgers and you had Will Dion, and I have a few Rodgers thoughts to follow up from what you guys were talking about. But when co- when coaches play this game of secrecy, especially when it doesn't matter if you prep for the other quarterback, in this case, if you didn't prep, if they, if they told you right now Deshaun Kaiser is going to be the starting quarterback, and you said, all right, we're literally not going to watch film on him the entire week. You would still destroy the Packers on on Sunday, right? So in what instance, unless you've got two all-pro quarterbacks and one of them is Michael Vick in his prime and the other one is Peyton Manning in his prime and it's two totally different styles, right? Yes. Why does this game of secrecy even matter? I have no idea anymore. I, I it's It's done. The only... Okay, if you're the Vikings, the only thing that I can figure is that you you might sort of play this game... As a way to to potentially keep defensive players who have short attention spans engaged, to be like you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, because it makes no sense. Like with the media, the children. I mean, think about the games that Childress played with the crappy quarterbacks he played them with. Yeah, is is Tavares Jackson or Kelly Holcomb going to start? Was actually something I covered intently for <laughs> a week plus. Like, how does that happen? I love it. Can you imagine being a defensive coordinator? And the opposing team is trying to figure out, man, are we going to start T-Jack or Kelly Holcomb? <laughs> 
Boy, and they how just, much they great? just brought in they just brought in Coy Detmer for a couple of days, man. <laughs> was you know, it we Ty? Had the, was it Ty? It Detmer. was Coy. Coy, it was okay. Coy, yeah, because Coy was Coy played for the for the Eagles, I think, when Chili was there. Can you imagine oh. how much great sleep opposing <laughs> defensive coordinators got that that year for the Vikings? Is it and and Brooks Bollinger's an awesome guy and he's in town, but when you're trying to decide, is it is it one of the two Detmers or is it Brooks Bollinger? I don't know. I'm going to get 12 hours of sleep tonight. It's yeah. going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to Culver. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Don't really care who starts. Uh, but I, it's there's a 110% chance Rodgers plays. Number one, because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's prideful and he's amazing. And if they put Deshaun Kaiser out there, they're just waving the white flag in a divisional game that's going to come back at the end of the year. But number two, right. put yourself in Rodgers' shoes right now and think about your career and all the things that you've accomplished individually. You got a Super Bowl ring and the small list of items that you haven't yet accomplished. And I think, especially in recent years, dominance over the Vikings or at least regular success over the Vikings is something that he hasn't been able to grasp. I know last year because of him getting knocked out with the injury, but even when he's been healthy, Mike Zimmer, more often than not, there was the game where, where Rodgers threw for four touchdowns and the Vikings defense had some sort of a schism and et cetera, oh, yeah. right? Yep. And Jeb was at that game. Uh, but more often than not, you get like this game at U.S. Bank Stadium in week two of 2016. 20 of 36 for Rodgers, only 213 yards, throws an interception, one of his lowest passer ratings of the year. Um, he threw in a game against the Vikings in 2015 against Mike Zimmer's defense. It took him 44 passes to get to 290 yards for that game through an interception. Yeah. So I think from an ego standpoint, pride standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is desperate to play this weekend, but because he's not going to be close to 100%, I think it's going to be a similar result. And let's not forget, too, when Mike Zimmer was a defensive coordinator in Cincinnati, and whenever the Packers played the Bengals, he had trouble against the Bengals' defense, too. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Mike Zimmer, his scheme or just game planning for him has always, for the most part, has had success against Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron is thinking about that. Here's week week three of the 2013 season in a 34-30 loss at Cincinnati to what Manny's saying, and Rodgers threw two interceptions in that game and a 64.5 passer rating. Mike Zimmer... Not every time, but three out of four times gets the better of Aaron Rodgers. Well, and he's and Aaron's going to be uh, ticked off still from last year because the bar hit essentially brought an end to his year. I know he tried to come back, I think, in Carolina in December. Uh, but as I told Manny in the first hour, this new rule about your weight on a quarterback, I think, is going to be a pain in the ass on Sunday because it's the Aaron Rodgers rule. It's against the team that the rule was passed because of. And and Rodgers on Sunday is probably going to not be able to move. So if you're going for him and you can sack him and the Vikings got guys that can get to him, now the question becomes, how do you make the hit look good enough to be a definite sack? Because if I land on him and Tony Caranti's crew decides, that's not, you know what, that was 89% of your weight. Yeah, that's a, So I think this is going to be a pain. My suggestion is do not celebrate a Viking sack until everybody gets up and you don't see a flag. <laughs> Or if you're the Vikings, maybe don't even unless unless it's a very clear instance where you're grabbing his arm, and if it's bang bang at all, you you're, to your point, like you, you probably shouldn't pull the trigger on anything bang bang because, like you said, this is the, this is the reason a year ago why these rules were put in place. Um, I wonder if it's going to get chippy. I feel like Packers Vikings is more of a it's a friendly rivalry more than Steelers and Bengals or Steelers and Ravens. I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of fights between the Packers and the 
and the Vikings and but I wouldn't be shocked if this date has been circled on calendars for a long time, especially on the Green Bay side, and it gets a little chippy. Would you guys are we going to see some fifteen yard, you know, guys scuffling after the whistle? Because I would bet yes. I wonder if there'll be some scuffling with Anthony Barr too. If some if like a lineman from the Packers, an offensive lineman, is going to put a little extra juice on a block with Anthony Barr, and if that kind of ignites something, if there's a little bit of pushing and shoving, I mean. Because Barr was the one that put Rodgers out last year, and they, you know, that's that's definitely in the back of their minds. I got to think when they played uh, at Lambeau in late December last year, we talked about this, and I thought exactly that. I thought they're going to take shots at Barr, but I give the Vikings credit for this. Zimmer has them so well disciplined. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, and I do agree with, with you. For whatever reason, if you watch a Bears Packers game, those get a lot nastier. Vikings Packers seem to be present day much more just two good teams. Mm-hmm. But I thought the bar thing last December, and I was completely wrong. And I bet you that Zimmer has said under no circumstances take the bait. When's the last time the Vikings had a contentious rivalry in their own division? It's never been contentious with the Lions. Well, Jared Allen and was it Goster Cherilis got into it that one oh, time? Yeah, well, that was a cheap Goster Cherilis shot was incredible. Went after his knee, right? You know what? I think it might be. And and forgive me if I'm forgetting Packers Vikings here. I think the last sort of contentious where it got m- mean might have been Ditka's Bears and the Vikings, like eighties or yeah. early nineties, eighties, eighties into the. Well, Ditka was there. Two till of the best defenses early 90s. in the NFL. Right? But those, yeah, but those were and those Bears teams were just nasty. Like I don't think the Packers are that nasty, and I think current day football. It's not really that nasty, but those Ditka teams were ferocious. Actually, is it fair to say, to to your point about the Packers not being nasty throughout the years, that that's another reason why, if you're a Vikings fan, the Packers are annoying? Because you'd love to be able to hate Brett Favre in 1998 or Aaron Rodgers right now, but you know that those guys are pretty cool and they're awesome. Except all the famers. Except the Vikings fans on Twitter who are are wishing for the death of the Green Bay quarterback currently. That's <laughs> where that Twitter. I told Jason that I said this is where the Sunday death? night. What do you well, mean? S- Sunday night? You've got tweets about you know I I hope this oh. is I hope they get to it and it's like okay let's just calm down a little bit. He's a <laughs> Hall of Fame bleeping quarterback who's a lot of fun to watch. Yep. And Vikings fans and not all of them but some of them are like you know this is going to be great we're going to and I'm telling you if you take him out on Sunday you're getting 15 yards. How, how does a franchise that once had Kurt Warner and Matt Hasselbeck and Aaron Rodgers as backup quarterbacks wind up with Deshaun Kaiser? and Brett Hundley the last few years. Mark and Brunel? Scott Tolzien. Mark Brunel, Mark Brunel as well. too. Yeah, starters. <laughs> like they used to have that. stacked backups of guys who couldn't get yeah. on the field and were Pro Bowl caliber players, and now it's Scott Tolzien and Joe Callahan and The last good uh, the last good oof. backup and and I use this term very loosely, the last good backup that the Packers have was at Matt Flynn. Was he a good backup? Well, or did he have one good game that got him thirty million dollars? Okay, he had the last like three hundred yards against okay. the Lions, and the... <laughs> got thirty million, and then got beat out by Russell Wilson. I'll <laughs> rephrase: the last Packer backup quarterback who, if you're a Packer fan, didn't scare you. I think you thought was he was probably, gonna... It was probably Matt Flynn. Well, Aaron Rodgers for three years. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm Brett Favre. <laughs> I don't think he can play, but that's just me. Did you cover Aaron Rodgers when you covered the Packers? I was there for the draft. Okay. I, I covered that draft when, when he was in that, that was green 05, room. Right? Yes, and he was in that green room, and the Vikings drafted twice, and he was in that green room, and he was he was almost crying. I thought actually, Judd has has hit upon here, Manny, one of our biggest arguments ever in Mackie and Judd show history, yeah. and Judd still stands by it that the Vikings made a mistake 
in 2004 by not drafting Aaron Rodgers, even though they had MVP caliber Dante Culpepper. Even though Dante was coming off like 38 touchdown, I always said 4,800 yards season. First of all, it's easy to look back now and say you took Troy at pick seven, but I've I've given them a pass on that. I've always said I think it was pick 19, if I'm not mistaken, now Erasmus James. Oh. I would have stopped Rogers' free fall at that, that point. That draft itself, as a whole, I mean, you got oh. Williamson and it. What was it? Uh, Dustin Fox in the second round, the the defensive back from Ohio State, who like I don't think he ever saw the field. And then I'm trying to think of who else. There was like, well, they had like Kenichi Udeza was in there somewhere. Maybe it was the year before. I think Kenichi was the year was, was oh, the yeah. year before. The, the year before, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure 2005 because that James, that was the, the Moss trade, right? They traded. Yeah. They traded. Moss. They got the seventh pick from the, from the Raiders. Yeah. Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon Harris. Napoleon Harris, Harris, the linebacker. <laughs> but I've always said I would have stopped the fall at nineteen and taken my now. chances there. Yeah, I gotta look up this. Guy. But that well, that did result in a huge brawl between us. It did. It and, was and, great. And uh, maybe Manny can chime in on it when we come back. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by It's Just Lunch. And a quick look at the traffic this afternoon. It's 419 on the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, your traffic is brought to you by Cabot Stain. A quick look at uh, 694 eastbound. A little bit of a delay there as we have a crash uh, in between University and Central. So look out for that. Delaying things by about uh, seven minutes. So keep, in, keep a lookout for that if you're heading eastbound on 694. Summer is winding down, make, uh, making now the perfect time to stain your deck, especially with 25% savings on Cabot stains at Lowe's. Shop September 13th through the 16th to take advantage of the savings only on Cabot, only at Lowe's. Thank you, Manny. Mackie and Judd in our new time slot this week, 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock. Manny Hill, the third voice on our show, and uh, and all over the phones, too, if you guys have Viking stuff or you just want to rip us. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Rich Gannon will join in about an hour from now, and Dan Hayes on Twins and Mauer's Granny last night at 4.30 here in about 10 minutes. So, all right, back to this, was it the 2005 draft? Mm -hmm. Yep. And how it went or didn't go for the Vikings? (laughs) All right, go ahead. Is it was it just an overall bad draft, or was it just a bad draft for the Vikings? There was it was. I, I don't think it was a particularly great draft, but <laughs> no. for the Vikings in particular, yeah, it just we got nothing out of any of these guys. Okay, uh, so we all know first first uh, first round pick number seven overall was Troy Williamson. We all know how that went. Uh, Judd brought up Erasmus James. He went number 18, the defensive end from Wisconsin. Got nothing out of him. Dude, you get two first round picks in the top 20. You, you get, get nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, second round pick, number 49 overall. You guys remember Marcus Johnson, the offensive tackle? Of course oh, I do. Yes. In, fact, yep. in fact, I think he might have, out of everybody from that godforsaken draft on the Vikings roster, might have lasted the longest. Might have, I think yeah. he might have been the last guy to shut the door, turn out the lights. Uh, third round pick was Dustin Fox, the corner from Ohio State. and I don't think he ever saw the field. Uh, fourth round, you guys, you guys will remember this name. Fourth rounder was uh, running back out of Florida, Seatric Faison. Yes, uh-huh. so, yep. He well, he was kind of a fullback, running back. You couldn't tell yeah. what he was. But, well, there was uh, a reason for that. Yeah, because he wasn't destined to be in the NFL <laughs> for long. Nice guy. 
Uh, are, you, are, are you a fullback? No, I'm a running back. All right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Our bad. Our bad. Not your fault, kid. <laughs> uh, there was no fifth round pick. I think it might have been the fifth round. Did the fifth round pick go over to Oakland, Oakland I think. Yeah. in the Randy trade? It did. It yep. did. Yep. Okay. Uh, sixth round pick was C.J. Mosley, the defensive tackle from Missouri. I who, remember him. Who he they, lasted the longest of all these guys, didn't he? No, he, he didn't. Have. No, he didn't. Uh, Childress traded him in very early in oh, his to tenure the Jets, right? to the Jets for Brooks Bollinger. That's right. They but was, in the NFL, wasn't he? In the oh NFL? yeah, yeah. Okay. But as far as the Vikings went, he actually turned out to be a decent player. And Childress panicked on quarterback and traded for uh, Brooks Bollinger. Man. And C.J. Mosley turned out to be, yeah, a serviceable big man. I feel bad that Brooks Bollinger has come up now twice in the first 23 minutes of this of this hour as a punchline because he is legit one of the nicest professional athletes that I've ever met in my life. For sure. So, sorry, um, sorry, Brooks. And then uh, the seventh-round pick was uh, Adrian Warren. Uh, Adrian Ward, Ward yes. Uh, defensive back from UTEP. Okay, so. what was worse, as I think about this Vikings 05 draft, Selecting and I and I understand that in both cases you could you could make a case in the moment that okay it didn't make sense to choose the the Hall of Fame player on the board but was it worse for the Vikings to pass up on Aaron Rodgers twice for Erasmus James and Troy Williamson <laughs> or for the Timberwolves to pass on Steph Curry twice for Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio? That's very close to me. Oh boy, it is really. I know really the, close. Like, the obvious answer is the Wolves because they needed a point guard I, and they chose well, two point guards and they passed on Steph and the Vikings didn't need a quarterback at the time. Here's my question about and not just the Vikings, but if you guys recall going into the 2005 football draft, Alex Smith and Rodgers were neck and neck to be the top overall pick. Like it was like it's going to be one or the other yeah. and they're very very close and the Niners took Smith. This is 2005, 13 years ago. 13 years ago, the thinking in that league was, we don't need a quarterback. Why would we? No one came up and got Rodgers. I mean, if there had been a huge gap and Rodgers just developed, then it'd be like, okay, that was sort of fluky. But this is a draft where these guys were running neck and neck to be the top overall pick. And you're telling me no one came up and got him? No one stopped his free fall? It, the Bears had the fourth pick in the draft, and they drafted Cedric Benson, yeah. the running back from Texas. You know what's funny? If you look at the list of quarterbacks in 2004, so what? what where did Rodgers go? 25? 20, 24th? 24th. You're telling me there's 23 dudes? and I, Or let's say 20, because some teams had two picks like the Vikings. There's 20 dudes that you feel good about in the NFL in 2004 at that position. Here are the leading passers by passer rating. And you'll see how quick this drops off. How quick this drops off. In 2004, since we're going back into this wormhole. So Peyton Manning and Dante Culpepper were neck and neck in the MVP race. Dante Culpepper had a crazy season. Yep. And Peyton oh. Manning broke the touchdown record. So, Or came close. He had 49 uh, touchdowns. He, he did break it, yeah. Uh, Drew Brees in San Diego wasn't quite the Hall of Fame Drew Brees, but he was third in passer rating and he was getting there. Yep. And then you had uh, Donovan McNabb in his prime and Big Ben coming on and... Then you get to Brian Greasy, Trent Green, Mark Bulger. Oh, my gosh. A young Tom Brady and Brett Favre. Okay. Chad Pennington. Hmm. I always kind of like Whose him. arm, though, might, right. might have been dangling by a thread yeah. by that point. Yeah. Jake Delhomme, Billy Volick. Oh, Billy Volick. Billy Volick. Oh Tennessee, right? With the Titans, right? Yes. Oh, we got oh it, my Manny. God. Billy Volick. <laughs> oh I know God. my football so where, from okay, circa 2004. The, did, were, were the Titans drafting later in the first round? 
What the they, hell are the Titans doing? <laughs> or did they have Steve McNair and McNair uh, was injured that year or something? I think it's McNair might have right. gotten injured. Right. Um, Jake the Titans Plummer. had the, the Titans had the sixth pick and they took Pac-Man Jones. Yeah. Where did the okay, Where did the Broncos pick in that draft? The Broncos. Uh, I think they might have. Were they later? Because they I think Jake they were later. through twenty picks the year before, and they oh were, apparently gosh. were fine with they, that. It does not look like the Broncos had a first round pick. All right. But David you, David Carr, Matt Hasselbeck, Byron Leftwich, Aaron Brooks, and Tim Rattay round up the so top twenty quarterbacks in the NFL. Can you imagine? Tech? Can you guys imagine how, how many G, <laughs> know, how many nerd. GMs would be fired now though? If if you had that now, well, here, well, we we don't need a quarterback, so we're not going to take Sam Darnold. Why who, was would the cow, who was the Cowboys quarterback in two thousand four? Because Romo take, wasn't oh, playing yet. T- take a guess. I'll give you. Was get, it like Quincy Carter or something? In, in, oh, let's make this official here. So incorrect. You guys get two more guesses. This person started fifteen games for the Cowboys and was and was. Hold on. It was pre. This was pre Romo in two thousand four. And this quarterback was uh, 26th in passer rating, threw more interceptions than touchdowns. It wasn't Quincy Carter then. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. This quarterback was in his 40s. Oh, it was Vinny, wasn't it? Because Barcel was still the coach, and Vinny, with Vinny Testaverde was there. So, it's an amazing pull by Manny, actually. I, I did not remember oh, Vinny God. Testaverde with the Cowboys. I'll go back Bill to my— Bill Parcells love Vinny Testaverde. I'll man. go back to my question, though. How did this happen? <laughs> like, how do you how do you allow a quarterback to fall twenty three spots? Well, because the Cowboys had the twentieth pick. Yeah, and, and they draft they drafted Marcus Spears, the defensive end from LSU, so the, who was who was an okay so the, player. So the Cowboys could have had Aaron Rodgers. The Cowboys could have had Aaron Rodgers, and they wound up with Tony Romo, who was yeah, and Romo was fine, pretty much as good in my mind, anyways. Yeah, of course he was in your mind. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we got Dan Hayes. We'll talk about state of the Twins and Joe. Mo- There's a lot of speculation. You guys talked about this in the three o'clock hour. A lot of speculation from Justin Morneau on the broadcast last night about what to make of Joe Mauer's future. So we'll talk about that. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul on Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. A high blast to center field. Going back is Hicks. Go ahead. Ball is gone. A grand slam. Only one swing in the hole at bat. And it's a grand slam. Like I said, there's plenty left in the tank right there. That was that's fun to watch. But he's had a handful of moments like that here. Walk-off hits and grand slams and just to see the smile on his face. Gives us hope that he'll come back. Uh, full credit to Justin Morneau, who almost came a step away from calling that grand slam on the broadcast last night. It was it was a full count, and Maurer had seen every pitch in the repertoire, and he said, yep, Maurer's seen every pitch. He knows how every pitch moves, and he's in full command of this at-bat right now. And then a beat later, boom, grand slam, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. What's going on? <laughs> it was a nice moment. Uh, those are fun. I, I was stunned. I forgot it was the first win over the Yankees this year. I, I forgot that that fourth game in uh, in New York didn't go their way after they led the whole way, and then 
<laughs> it's funny, you know, you, I've only been here now a couple of months, and I understand the Yankee. Uh, I understand it. I, I fully embrace it now as far as why people are just constantly tormented by the Yankees. And uh, I want to apologize when I suggested that Joe Maurer should go there because I think that was probably anti-Minnesotan. Uh, oh, it was one of the greatest things you did this season, Hayes. We loved it. <laughs> I, I love it too, actually, but but he might have to actually move or relocate if he did that, given what the Yankees have done to this franchise for the last 17 years or whatever it is. Incredible uh, fact for, for you. The Twins are going uh, for back-to-back wins tonight against the Yankees for the first time since, get this, 2013. They haven't beaten them in back-to-back games. <laughs> since 2014, their record, including last night's win against this franchise, nine victories and 24 defeats. That's how bad it's been. Yeah, it has, and and does that count the uh, the playoff game? It does. I count the playoff it does. game. Okay. Yep. I mean, that's better than Gardy's record against the Yankees. Gardy's record is percentage wise, I think, worse than nine and twenty four. Yikes. <laughs> oh. I mean, it, hey, look, they're they're a dominant franchise. Sometimes somebody has your number. It's weird though that it's that dominant and one sided. I mean, you think about how good the Twins were, you know, for a couple of years there, where they were constantly competing, especially when the O two record to now is. Um, I mean. The fact is, the Twins were in the playoffs how many times in that span? And and to be that dominated by, granted, probably one of the best franchise or the best franchise in the history of baseball. You know, I mean, but wow, that's that's one sided. Yeah. So one one thing that was coming up uh, just a few times during Maurer at bats last night, and, and Morno even said it in that clip, the Grand Slam clip, that he has gas in the tank. And uh, and Smalley was agreeing that yeah, he should come back. He's got gas left in the tank. I'm wondering what your perception of Joe Maurer is, talking to people, where his mindset is, maybe going into, uh, is it retirement? Is it another? Is it a one-year contract? What, what's your read on this whole thing as we wind down the regular season? I, it wouldn't stun me if it was one year at this point just to see how he, he feels. I, I think he's earned that right where if he wants to, he, he should come back. I get the sense he, he, he's... In, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, look, the last five weeks, you know, seven weeks, whatever it's been, back to the trade deadline have been punishing. You lose the veteran makeup of the clubhouse, and you took a lot of the energy away. You followed up with by not bringing up Buxton last week. That's not been an easy run for uh, for guys, and, and it probably is a little bit exhausting. Just adds some mental hurdles to what they're trying to accomplish at the time of year when all the aches and pains definitely start to catch up. Given all that, I still see a guy who's having a lot of fun doing this. And when you see it, you know, look, the overall numbers aren't aren't outstanding. They're they're pretty plain. I mean, you know, five what is it, forty three RBIs and you know six home runs. It's it's nothing that jumps off the page. But when you look at what he does with runners in scoring position, and and you wonder if maybe if they think about putting him in a different spot next year so that he gets more of those at bats because he's only had seventy four. Uh, at bats with runners in scoring position this year, and you know when you have a guy that's hitting the way he is, three ninety two with a six hundred slug. I mean, do you want to put him in that spot more often than than seventy four at bats or ninety two plate appearances? So honestly, I, I think that there is stuff gas in the tank, and I, I you know, he's not going to hint at it. He's not going to give any clues, but just reading body language, I think he wants to come back. I don't think he thinks he's done, and I. I think he'd love to get him back to the playoffs. And as far-fetched as that sounds right now, I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. Look at last year. 
Dan, what's your sense on how Derek Falvey and Thad Levine view Joe and in, in terms of like his future? If they are they do they do you get the sense that they want to have him back? And if so, do you see them using him as like the full time first baseman or is he going to platoon with somebody else, maybe a Tyler Austin or something like that? For righty lefty matchups, um, but how, what's your what's your sense on how the front office views Joe's future? Well, I think that given where he is in his career, it's easier to potentially slate him as a guy that's going to play 120 games. I mean, look, we've seen it day games after night games. He does not play. Um, he's he's taking care of the body and, and preserving. And I think there's a way to work around it if they don't. I think it's a much easier position to be in than if he's demanding 162 games and, and is ready to do that, um, it's a tough spot because if they want to move on, they still are in a difficult spot. Now, they've, they've proved, they, twice they've proven that they will make unpopular decisions here. I mean, they've, they've crossed that already the last two months, and, and we've seen it. But this is a different kind, and obviously you're talking about an icon for the franchise, and, and if he still wants to stay, you know, I mean, it didn't even come up that they uh, asked him to waive his no trade at all this year. So clearly they knew not to take anything to him. He's made it clear to them that he wants to be here. So if he's going to stay, he wants to be here. And, and you know, that's a, that's a tough spot because he, potentially you have some younger guys that you want to come up and, and check out. But I still think that, you know, Rooker's a year away and, or at least later next year. And, so my whole sense is that they're still well-positioned because he has a lot of value to you in a batch, especially like last night. And if you really think you can turn things around, um, you'd want him on your team. So, I mean, it, it just really it, – it's, it's hard to get the read on what they think the direction is for next year immediately. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've gotten very little out of Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton this year, and, and that is – driving what you think you uh, can do at this point when those are your two best players. Dan, speaking of Sano, is he uh, going to return in your mind now uh, for the at some point this month? And I think more importantly, sh- should he? Or is this a case where they should probably shut him down, have him try and go play somewhere this uh, winter and try and move on from there so that he shows up in spring training, one, in good shape, but two, set to play? I think if he uh, if he proves it that he can, that yes, they'll let him. Um, he wants to. He wants to finish strong. We talked to him about it today, and it was a much better day working out in the field for him today than it was yesterday. I talked to him last night briefly, and he said yesterday was so so. He was encouraged today. He could do a lot more, um, and and I think he wants to get back. And it's it's funny. It's exactly the reason why I kind of was surprised that Buxton didn't get the chance. It was to end a very miserable year. And, and get a chance to kind of finish strong and, and finish on a positive note. And, you know, Buxton's at home right now. So they've set precedent that potentially Sano might not come back, but I still get the sense that they wouldn't be ramping him up right now unless they were convinced that he could do it. I think Paul Mauder needs to see more convincing because you're right. The, the whole objective is for him to be in good shape this winter. And, and Mauder referenced the possibility of winter ball today. Um, and then obviously to carry on the work he t- did in Florida. And, you know, Snow last night said he actually he lost 30 pounds. So I think that he got some good out of that. And I think going in, that's, that's positive. I, I think in his mind, he'd love to get back here and just finish it on a positive note, take that into winter ball, and, and then go carry it out into his offseason program. 
Dan Hayes from The Athletic. He covers the uh, Minnesota Twins, does an awesome job. You can subscribe to his stuff. Theathletic.com slash MLB is where you can find his stuff. Jason Stark is a regular contributor. Uh, one last question for you. What does Williams Astadio have to do to become one of the uh, Mount Rushmore of fat baseball players members? Like, how close is he? Who- I mean, he's played center field. He's got to be on there, right? Yes. It, it, he is. It, it's amazing. He's, he's an athlete, too. I mean, just the, the face and the hair. When he, when he got into center field that day, I tweeted a picture of him and said, Major League uh, center fielder. I mean, it, it was astounding. But it was that day where they were all uh, dehydrated and everybody was basically dying on the field, you know, in Chicago, and, and they were rushed and put him in there. I want to see him at shortstop, first base, and second base before this. Is that what he's got left? Is it, is it second base? Um, he's got three positions left. I want to see him get them before the year is out, but – I am not holding out much hope for that. They, 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 we, we brought Do this it the last up day of the season. I like the idea against the White Sox. Who cares? All nine positions, man. Yeah, Make it that'd happen. Be, that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. It won't, but it'd be fun. Thanks, Dan Hayes. Bye, Dan. All right, thanks, guys. See you. All right, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Uh, we have Rich Gannon coming up in about 30 minutes for his weekly appearance. Mackie and Judd with Manny from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd rolls on in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Quick look at your traffic from Menards. We have a crash, I-94 eastbound, delaying things by a few minutes between Franklin and Huron in Minneapolis, uh, just uh, by the uh, bridge that goes across the Mississippi River. So if you're in that area, look out, there's a crash, uh, slowing things down a little bit, 94 eastbound. Gentlemen. Thank you, Manny. Rich Gannon in about 25 minutes or so. So on the Joe Maurer discussion, this is where I... You look at his overall numbers this season, and you know he's batting two seventy four. He's drawing some walks because he takes great at bats, and he's going to get on base at a respectable clip. But he's not slugging for anything. He's never been a huge power guy, but now his slugging percentage is around three seventy or maybe even lower than that. So, and what was last night his sixth home run of the year? His doubles are down, and he just crossed over the forty RBI threshold. Three, yeah, he's been lead off a lot, but you know there's not a lot of punch and there wasn't much punch to begin with but now there's even less but just to illustrate when you've got that magic hitting ability or you're Kobe Bryant in the NBA hmm. there are situations where you can turn on the the jets so to speak and Joe Maurer with runners in scoring position this year 91 trips to the plate 392 batting average with runners in scoring position mm-hmm. so that tells me he can't turn it on all the time for the 130 to 140 games that he would play. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to do it for six months. But in key moments, key at-bats, situations where there's a guy on third, guy on second base, and he has an OPS over 1,000 with a batting average of 392 this year, that's pretty telling, isn't it? I think, yes, but my whole thing is, if Joe wants to come back, fine. Comes back on a one- or two-year two contract maximum plays he platoons perhaps i mean he certainly he certainly remains a guy who can get some hits at certain times he's streaky now and he, he is a guy who if you have a halfway decent team you, you could put him in as a late game defensive replacement and he's going to be good there but if he doesn't come back i'm fine too like i'm just it, this notion of oh there's still a gas there's a gas left in that joe mauer tank 
I, st- I started the show by saying, let's not spend this month going down that path. It's fine. Either way, it's fine. And I like Joe. And I, th- I think that in some ways I'm a Joe apologist because I'm a Hall of Fame catcher. I think he deserves that. Uh, but this also is not one where I would beg him to come back. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think he, I'm not going to get on my hands and knees. here. I think that's the best term for me. Indifferent. Yeah. Like I'm kind of in the yeah. same boat, but I wouldn't, if, if he came back and you used him situationally, the fact that he, I'm, I'm just comparing his numbers with runners in scoring position to when there's nobody on base, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. But, so he bats, he has a, a batting average that's 150 points higher with men in scoring position and a and a an OPS that's almost 500 points higher in those situations. Just that's quickly, amazing. Though, keep in mind that that before the Grand Slam last night, he was in a one for 23 slump, and the four runs that that he drove in with the Grand Slam last night were the four, first four runs that he's driven in in the month of September. And what's the date? September 12th. Nine games, seven starts. Oh, they had a couple off days. I'm. It's just I've just you know what right <laughs> if he comes back it's fine but we're not we're not talking about a guy who remains a legend who you're begging to bring back if he comes back he comes back I blame the bottom of the order get on base once in a while all right <laughs> did you, you see get that in scoring lineup position he'll drive ago? you in Woo-hoo, that lineup a couple nights ago does this kind of speak to the fact that they need to find like I mean Joe's okay <laughs> he, he's okay as a leadoff hitter I think he's been fine but that they need to find like a true pure leadoff hitter. That way they can move Joe to like the second spot in the lineup, and then he can be a little bit more of a run producer. You would think. Well, I got a guy in mind. He's currently at home, who couldn't even yeah. hit his way until the yeah. last week yeah. at Triple A. So. He's be nice if he figured it out, and he's getting along great with, with the current brass since they sent him home. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five. Randy in Cottage Grove, welcome. Yeah. Up. Yeah, hello, uh, Patrick. I, I don't normally uh, call in in the in the afternoons, but uh, some of the things one of your co-hosts, uh, Mister Royce, was saying uh, yeah. about uh, Troy Williamston, I think that's not fair. He he never got a uh, got a fair shake here. You know, he never uh, never got a full a mm. full look, as they say. And and I remember at the time being really excited about that pick. I mean, he he's got. He's got some really good speed, some flat line speed. He yeah. can run the, the the goal route, as they say. And I just think, you know, let's let's be careful not to do re, uh, revision uh, revisioning history on uh, Williamston. I think he was a was a solid player. Hmm. Do you want to tell? Him? I don't know. Do we bother? Well, I would. I guess I, before anything, I would just ask. You know, what makes you recall Troy Williamston that way, Randy? Boy. Well, I watched him in camp. First of all, I was down there in Mankato every year, and you, yeah, he put a little twinkle in, in everybody's eye. We all thought he's going to be a real stud, and they never threw him the ball. Hmm. They never gave him a shot. Okay, so, Troy, if you're out there listening, you gave it a good shot. We didn't give you a good shot. I, 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 I stand by that. You know, I ain't saying we shouldn't have taken uh, Rodgers, but uh, Williamston was, was a solid uh a solid uh, could have been a solid pro. Let's just say that he didn't get a fair a fair shake, and and you know it, 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 it is what it what it is, as they say. Randy, what about Erasmus James? Though they they probably could have had mm. Rodgers at eighteen in that draft. Mm. Well, I, Erasmus was speaking of a solid pro. He was disrupted. Mm. You know, I I don't know I don't know if you remember, but uh, he put Farb on his back a couple of two three times. He was a disruptive player for sure. So I, I, I disagree there. I think if you're going to go back and say we should have taken Rodgers, 
it's uh, it's probably a trade up and get a third pick in that first round kind of a situation for sure. Anyway, uh, school, I gotta go. Gold Vikings, let's win this game. Gold Vikings, honor your name. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock 'em, suck 'em, fight, 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 fight. Gold Vikings, run out the You know, I, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed in Randy because he didn't call into vent line on Sunday. I was a little disappointed. I thought he'd be, you know, the Vikings got the big win over the Niners. and It's possible he started drinking at the end of last season in yeah. preparation for week one and wasn't available, so to speak, at the end of the game. He's been like drinking ever since the NFC Championship game. Yeah. How are we going to get him the news of the programming changes, do you think? Well, in fairness, when you're listening on an AM signal, it is hard to tell us from Roycey and, you know, it's, it can be a little static. Maybe a little sooch. That's next for him. <laughs> Call the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Rich Gannon is going to join the show in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, he's been a, a weekly fixture on this radio station for a while. MVP, four-time Pro Bowler. We can... We can discuss Aaron Rodgers with him, and also uh, I think the contentious rivalry thing. I wonder if he if he had any contentious rivalries when Oakland, he was with the Vikings Denver back in the or day. Kansas City, right? Well, in the AFC Those West, would for be sure. Great. Yep. Mackie and Judd, Manny's here, TCL Broadcast Studio, and Matthew Collar will join us next with an update going into this Week Two game against Green Bay. An update from Vikings practice. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on fifteen hundred ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd rolls on in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Quick look at your traffic from Menards. We have a crash. I-94 eastbound delaying things by a few minutes between Franklin and Huron in Minneapolis. Uh, just... Uh, by the uh, bridge that goes across the Mississippi River. So if you're in that area, look out. There's a crash uh, slowing things down a little bit. 94 eastbound. Gentlemen. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.